the world is commoditized. There's plenty of everything that we're selling, right? There's there's plenty of vitamins. There's plenty of marketing consultants. There's plenty of gas stations, right? So uh, we have to create a human interaction, a human connection in this digital platform in order for people to know, like, and trust us so that they want to do business with us rather than the than the, uh, the other commodities. And then, yeah, you're, you're good enough as you are, and we need you. We need your voice, whatever it is. Welcome to You Are Buzzworthy. When you've been in business for an extended amount of time, you start to see shifting behaviors and demographics as new generations come into their own. Today, the market is seeing an emergence of Gen Z. It is essential to pay attention to and attract the Gen Z demographic because they represent the future of consumer spending. Gen Z currently makes up approximately 27% of the world's population, and by 2025, they will account for more than 30% of the workforce. Moreover, Generation Z is the first generation to grow up entirely in the digital age, making them highly tech-savvy and reliant on technology. They tend to value authenticity, inclusivity, and social responsibility. To dive deeper, today I'm going to talk with Emmanuel Rose, a marketing expert who has spent over three decades building his reputation in the field. He's the owner of his own digital agency called Strategic E-Marketing, where he helps companies with branding, advertising, and day-to-day operations. And he has written a book specifically about marketing to Generation Z. Hey, welcome to the show, Emmanuel. Thank you so much, Buzz. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. Oh my goodness gracious. Uh, you know, it's so funny because we, we're we stuck in this, like, this last 10 years has been this culmination of identity politics, right? Yeah. And we have these good and bad, you know, polarizing conversations that keep to, creeping into our every day-to-day lives, right? But then in marketing, we're trying to like get everybody to come in, right? We, we try to like forget all of that stuff and come in and just be you and, and spend money with us, right? One of the things that we always talk about as marketers is generational demographics, right? Sure. Yeah, you and I were Gen Xers, yep. right? We remember the dial tone uh, before we could get on the internet, right? Oh, we remember the days there was, there were no internet. <laughs> we remember the days that only one out of 10 households even had a PC. Yeah, yeah. And that, and the monitor was enormous. Oh, yeah. And playing the stock market game on the Apple Macintosh. Ooh, the Macintosh, <laughs> the Mac 2, all those good things. But yeah. since we were kids, a lot has changed, right? And we have this brand new market coming to fruition, coming of age, if you will, called Gen Z, right? And so I want to start our conversation off first of identifying who is Gen Z and what makes them unique compared to other generations. So these are people who are about 26, 27 as the oldest part of the group. And then, uh, you know, 12, 13 as as the youngest part of that group. And, uh, you know, we tend to talk about these things in hard and fast rules. And then you get the millennials who want to be zenials and they don't want to be. Well, my wife's a zenial. That's so <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> well, they're so special. They had to have their own little niche 
generation. Well, a little, little, little sliver here in the history books for just us. Yeah, you know? exactly. Like the greatest generation, I think, it like spanned almost 30 years, right? And, and they could care less what they're called, right? No. <laughs> just leave me alone. I fought yeah. the war. Yeah, get off my lawn. <laughs> So this this new generation that's coming in Gen Z, you know, it's it's a coming. It's it's worth about forty four billion dollars in the United States alone. So what makes them different than the millennials and the Gen Z's? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's really very simply they, they don't know a day in their life and their consciousness without computer, Internet and um, and social media. And, mm. and, and for, for old guys like us, you know, who do remember the dial tone or having to remember the phone number to be able to call your mom to get, get her to pick you up, um, <laughs> it, it's hard to believe that. And we can actually go a day or two days when we're on a camping trip without our phone, right? Or without logging in. We actually look Well, that's to only that. because the cords never got that long. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Those I mean, we were work. still teenagers. We still loved our phones. I remember I was in an earthquake in San Francisco, and as a teenager, I was talking to my phone uh, on my uh, to my girlfriend. House is shaking around, and you're from California, and you know it's like we just we're used to things shaking every once in a while. Yeah. And then my dad comes in. Uh, we need to go outside, <laughs> and it was the uh, 1988 89 uh, World Series. Right? Yeah, so the one in San Francisco. Freeway yeah. collapsed yeah. the whole nine yards. So I go out, right. look at, look, watch everything shake around. It stops shaking. I'll go back in and get back on the phone. <laughs> so, but yeah, like today. They can't go anywhere. You can't go to the bathroom without a phone in your hand. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the ubiquitous selfies everywhere. And, you know, I mean, there's a little bit of the, the poking and prodding that the generations give each other. And that's definitely, you know, the fact that you could see them at a Post Malone concert. Nobody's paying attention to the concert, seemingly, because they're all videotaping the show. Right. Or they're all <laughs> they're all video phoning the show. Right. Um, so, so anyway, that's the that's their ground. That's their reality. That's where we're starting from, and and that's the most critical thing. Uh, this digital first mentality when reaching out to this group of seventy million U.S. Uh, consumers, purchasers, uh, participants. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. I, I think it's. I read a statistics like forty four billion dollars just in the United States that's going to be spent by this particular generation yeah and they have a lot of influence also in the household spending uh so oh yeah well as they're coming of age yeah. and there's a household shortage right yeah and um it's interesting to look at the differences of the even just the gen x to the millennials where the millennials were told this story like hey you guys gotta go and get your education um don't matter what it costs gotta go get it right. and now they're they're in debt um, in the middle of a housing uh, shortage in the United States, which is pushing up this the the housing the cost of housing way beyond what most of them can afford, and even if they could afford the payments, the house they can afford is diminished by the interest rate yep. that uh, is now there. Right? I was really ready for the the nineteen eighties eighteen percent mortgage <laughs> <laughs> APR coming back, and I'm like, I don't want that 
just as much as anybody, right? Um, because you know, me and my wife, we we tend to move around a little bit, so we're right. we're hoping that by the time we need another house, that uh, it, we won't, it'll be back down towards where we've been used to it since the early two thousands. So now we have a generation who is a little wiser when it comes to the cost of their education. Yeah, but what are they worried about? What what's driving their fears and 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 how is that like impacting their ambitions yeah that's a great great question and um well one thing i did want to mention is that this is a very educated group of people also they're they're one self-educated well not just self-educated but also classically educated right Uh, because of the the way that the job market is and the flexibility in their schedules they've been Mm -hmm. able to stay in school a lot longer than you or i got to there was there's not like four years in and out and then that stuff's paying right they have a, a longer time to be able to to meander i think which is cool uh, if they can afford it yeah right if they can afford it because <laughs> it was it like three thousand percent increase in uh secondary in, uh, education in the united states in the last 20 years it's been pretty massive for sure i'm sure some of them go to their masters just so they don't have to pay the bill <laughs> well, yeah, we've done some people like that too, right? We're, we're getting a PhD that way. I don't have to pay it back for another 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's where my wife's at. But she she's worked her way through both of hers as a, uh-huh. a zinnial, you know, right. because yeah. she didn't right. want to have that at all. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I got lucky because I was in the military. And so um, I can say lucky. I guess I earned it. Yeah. And uh, so I had the GI Bill. And so I, I, I took advantage of my GI Bill. So how are they leveraging the education in the job market? Are they getting better jobs than their predecessors, the millennials? Well, see, this is where we have a very uh, a, a very clear line of what their ethics and, and beliefs are. And they're not as concerned about uh, getting better jobs as they are getting jobs that are meaningful and mm. that match their ethical orientation. Right. So the the whole uh, diversity, equity and inclusion or ESG, uh, you know, environmental and social um, and governance, those concepts are really what drives this group of people is that they want things to be fair. It's a very, very ethnically diverse group, the most ethnically diverse group of people that have ever been in the United States. Um, almost 50 really? percent are mixed race. Oh, and and so that drives in the United States in the United you're, States you're, you're, yeah, specifically sorry. in the US. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know the orientation towards uh, towards race and gender equality and uh, environmental awareness and, and global warming and and all those um, things that typically young people are concerned about in in a different way. They are really um, holding this as as uh, as gravitational reality. So how does that affect how we market? How do we stru- how we structure our marketing strategies towards that segmentation of the U.S. market? The premise that I'm working on is that uh, as CEOs, as business managers, as marketing professionals, that we need to tease out and bring out what we're doing in our more what we would call private lives, right? Like, mm-hmm. We're used to just going to work, and then I have a, I have some stuff I do at home, and I don't have to mingle the two. Well, that that's changed over the last fifteen years. Mm. Um, 
And so every company is involved in, every CEO is involved in Big Brothers, Big Sisters, or Audubon Society. And, and so there's a level of transparency that is, is critical, but also that it has to be, can't be greenwashed because these kids can sniff that out. This group can sniff out the, the wash very easily. Right. They've been the, the posers, as we called them in the 90s. Can't be a poser. Right, right, exactly. So this authentic approach to being a human blended into the business messaging is the way that brands are winning. Mm, gotcha. I'm hearing the buzzword of the last few years, authenticity, because we can't can't be posers. We got to walk the walk, got to talk the talk, yep. right? Yep. Um, and it has to be something they connect with. So to them, it has to feel authentic. There it was a case study on... Paps Blue Ribbon. And they basically, for, I want to say over the last 10 years, um, I can't, I think it was like 2012, maybe 2013, they started a social media campaign that was very grassroots, guerrilla marketing. They would go out into, and this is specifically for millennials, but kind of in that, the younger millennials, right? Um, and Paps Blue Ribbon, as most Gen X's know, was the cheap beer when we were growing up. For sure. Right? Yeah. They couldn't spend the money, Budweiser, Miller, and, and Heineken, uh, Garner, right, for that to do that. But they also realized that the millennials and the Gen Z's, they're shying away from the corporate. And so those big ad spends are actually pushing the younger generations away because it's impersonal, it's inauthentic, it into something that they don't want to be or they want to be individuals and stuff like that, which I love. That's what I love about the new newer generations. They're more authentic to themselves and not to the group, right? right? Yep. Um, so they went in and they built relationships with a group in that generation and that then perpetuated the brand into where the younger millennials and the older Gen, uh, Gen Zs, that's their beer of choice. Yeah. And there was no ad spend, per se, <laughs> to do that. And they couldn't run an ad spend now that they're one of the, you know, it's a bigger player now, especially in that generation, because that would undo everything they did. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it's amazing how we have to take a look at it's not necessarily that there was a new message. You know, it was let's have fun and drink beer. Yeah. What are right. what's every ad about? Let's have fun and drink beer. Right. That's right. it is. But they're approaching it through what you were talking about, the phone. Yeah. Where they they identify. A lot of them do. I would say that there is going to be a surge of those who unplug or minimize their digital aspect of their lives. I, I, I just feel that. The pendulum's got to swing back, right? Because we have them out there. They've all done all of the pictures of every Instagram background you possibly can get, right? At some point, it's yeah. just going to become, okay, whatever. Yeah, we've seen the Grand Canyon about 100,000 times on all of our friends' backgrounds. Yeah, go, go somewhere new. Well, there's only so many new places in the world, right? You're, what you're triggering for me is that the Betty Ford Center can have a new program that will be the detox from the internet, right? Because be. the, the way the brain chemistry works from all this that we've, we've been seeing recently. So it, it's going to have to be a supported activity to get them to unplug. <laughs> <laughs> or they might just unplug. Like my wife, now, I mean, she, granted, she's not a Gen Z, but she's looking at some of the alternative uh, technology out there that just basically goes down to the basics, like the flip phones of yesteryear, right? Yeah. The Razor is, has a new 
resurgence because it has no other technology except to take phone calls and maybe text. And the texting is painful because it's nine key texting. Yeah. Um, and so for, for the, the new folks who've never seen a nine key text, it's, it's like texting on a telephone, a regular telephone, if you've ever seen one of those either, because like how many of us even have phones in our room anymore or in our house anymore. So with that said, though, there is going to be that. I, I feel that the nostalgia of the 80s and, and the 90s is bringing back some of that as well as like it's just at some point it can't be interesting as much anymore. I find myself bored going to my Instagram and my Facebook because I kind of see the same thing all the time. But with all that said, I think the the anchor you're talking about, the, the authenticity is so important. So how do we create those authentic connections to Gen Z if we're trying to target that segmentation in the U.S. market? Well, I think the most important thing is, uh, is latching on to the concept of influencer and that the CEO preferably would be the, the, the company's primary influencer and that that person is going to show themselves as uh, a more complete human in, in video, um, in, in terms of what they're doing and what they're seeing in the company, in the market, and, um, and then how they use the product or service that is, is being sold by that company. So that, that's really the biggest gap that I see between legacy brands and mm. legacy being anything older than five years, right? Okay. Uh, legacy companies. And right. I have a lot of my clients, I've, I've, it's like getting an abalone off the bottom of the ocean. You know, it's like, I need you to do video. I need you to let me interview you. I need you to answer these questions and be a human, right? And right. It, it's such a cultural shift for, for some people to be the face like that. But my favorite is Kylie Jenner, right? And and the work that she's done, obviously she was on television that really helped her brand mm -hmm. in her cosmetics, but she's a billionaire CEO who is the face of her brand. And that, and mm -hmm. that's one of the best examples of what we need to do as business managers and, and CEOs. Gotcha. So when we're talking about that, I was just on the phone with a, a client last night or yesterday afternoon, I should say. And they were talking about the fact that they didn't want to. They're starting a new business. They're coming into an existing business and it's kind of more of like a franchise style. Yep. And the existing owners were like, you got to be on social media. You got to do all these things. And she's talking to me saying, Buzz, I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to be any part of that. <laughs> now, she's probably a millennial, older yeah. millennial. Yeah. Possibly a zennial. I'm just guessing, right? Because, right. I mean, yeah, definitely there. But I'm hearing this from all sorts of people like, I don't want to be the person badgering other people's feeds, right? They don't want to be the fake whatever it is, even yeah. if it, it means authenticity. And I had to tell her, I was like, listen, in your industry, she's in the health and wellness industry. I'm like, without that, you're not going to get the reach that your company deserves. And right. if you're not willing to be the advocate and the the champion for your brand, you need to find somebody else who can be, or you might need to look at whether or not you're going to go into that business. Because yeah. without it, you're not, you're not going to be able to spend enough money. We've already just established that advertising is not the way to connect with the younger generations. Right. Marketing. Everything we've talked about is marketing. Yep. Right. And and that's and that's where I that's where I spend all my time is in marketing. Advertising is only a, an accelerator on a proven marketing strategy. Right. Yep. And so I'm literally having to have this conversation when it came down to it, it says, if you just be yourself, 
and just present yourself, you'll be okay. Yeah. And she, at, by the end of the conversation, about five minute conversation, she's like, I've been inspired to be oh, myself. There you go. That's beautiful. Right? Yeah. That's so man. it's not a matter of like, hey, you need to be you know, screaming Greenpeace or you need to be screaming DEI, I'm sorry, and all the other things that, that the media wants us to pay attention. I'm hearing you say, just be you because you are good enough for enough people to keep your business as rich as you'd ever want to be. Yeah, and if I was if I had written a self-help book and I was, you know, trying to be Tony Robbins, that's what I would say, totally buzz, is that the world is commoditized. There's plenty of everything that we're selling, right? There's plenty of vitamins, there's plenty of marketing consultants, there's plenty of gas stations, right? So uh, we have to create a human interaction, a human connection in this digital platform in order for people to know, like, and trust us so that they want to do business with us rather than the than the, uh, the other commodities. And then, yeah, you're, you're good enough as you are, and we need you. We need your voice, whatever it is. It, and that's I, I love that that's how you are counseling uh, that, that client, and I, I agree a thousand percent. Yes, authenticity is the key to success, and even more so with today's super conscious consumers. What are you doing to protect your authenticity? Are you being honest with your messaging, or are you being performative? I'm not asking to be mean, but to be clear that the real authenticity is the key to success. So be honest with yourself so you can be truly authentic with your client base. Make sure to check out Emmanuel's links in the show notes. And as always, stay buzzworthy. <laughs>